Hello and welcome to the November episode of the Uxbridge FM podcast. I'm Steve Parker and each month we catch up with what's happening in the community around Uxbridge. Coming up this month, news on adult education, we chat sumo wrestling and volunteering with the Ryslip Lions. Let's get straight down to it. Maybe it's time to learn a new skill and meet some new friends in the process. Right, so Debbie Scarborough's here, and we are chatting adult education today. Hi, Debbie. Hi, good to see you. Yeah. So, I didn't know this, but there's a whole range of adult education available in Hillingdon, and a lot of it, it seems to be funded as well, which is great. Yes, it is. Tell us about that. How is it possibly free or, or funded? We're part of the council, part of Hillington Council, but we're funded by the government initially, who set sort of certain targets and certain priorities for us to work towards. So obviously one of their priorities is productivity, as we know in the, in the country, and getting people back to work and, and into work and into promotional positions. That funding is actually devolved to the GLA, and the GLA have additional priorities. So from the GLA's perspective, they think it's really important to remove as many barriers as possible that would stop somebody coming in to begin their education again as an adult. So what they really want is that if you are either not working or if you are working and you're on a low wage, if you're earning the London living wage or less, or if you're unemployed and receiving benefits for some reason, we can then offer most qualification courses free. And this is something that's really stepped up since COVID. And I don't know how much longer it'll last, but certainly it's great while it lasts. Where there are fees attached, which tend to be things that you would do because you just want to relax after work, de-stress, some creative classes, they do tend to carry fees. But actually, because we're part of the council, the council tried to subsidise those as much as possible. So one way or the other, we keep the fees as low as we possibly can. And there's a brand new adult education centre in the Civic Centre now, freshly built. Yes, yeah, it's lovely. It's nice and sparkly and it's wonderful. It's given us more opportunities to develop the range of courses we offer because there are now new facilities there. Having moved from Brookfield recently, we've now opened there. So generally people would, after they leave school, they'd probably go to college, go to university or they might get a job. But these are options for people later in life or as a social thing. We've got different sections, haven't we? We've got uh, English maths, ESOL and digital skills. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit about that one, first of all. Well, there are lots of people who didn't have a great experience of school or had a lovely experience but have been away from education for many years. And so they can often find that whilst they're great as a carer, perhaps they've got caring duties and they would love to go and work in the hospital or in the care sector or whatever, actually they haven't written an assignment or an essay for 30 years. And so the English and the maths and the ESOL and the digital skills are there to help people build those skills. Sometimes there are people that left school with few or no qualifications. That's actually fairly common. And so our range of classes that we offer go right through from helping somebody learn to write the alphabet and learn to put simple sentences together 
all the way through to GCSE English, GCSE Maths and all kinds of study skills and all kinds of things in between, you know, all those bits of practical, functional skills that you need to cope in life generally. So we could do some introduction to digital skills. We actually do coffee mornings and workshops for people who just can't use their mobile phone. (laughs) And really, I should go to that because I'm always (laughs) asking for help. And you can meet other people in the same position, have a laugh. It's really fun. It's an adult situation. And then if you want to, you can come on and progress on to some other courses. So those courses, other than things like workshops about your mobile phone, all of the other courses have qualifications attached so that you can really see the progression that you're making as you go through those levels. And then the world opens into what you might do next. And timing wise, nowadays, it's not evening classes, is it? It's timing that's fitted around your clients your customers so it could be daytime school hours whatever works absolutely we're open monday to friday during the day we're actually open from about eight o'clock in the morning till about five but our classes tend to run during school hours so a lot of the learners that come in are parents so we try to work it around they can drop their children off at school and then come back and pick them up afterwards and having done their learning in between But we also know we do have people that work full time and can't be available in the day. So we also do evening classes. We're open Saturday mornings in the Civic Centre for classes that run then. And we also do, of course, online. I mean, most of our classes are we try to bring online learning into most of our qualification courses, certainly, because now you need online skills just to function in life. Some classes are particularly higher level qualifications tend to do a bit more online learning, which Often at that point, if you're doing a high level, say a childcare course, we do a lot of childcare qualifications. You might be running your family, you know, living your life, plus studying with us, plus doing a voluntary or a paid work placement in a school where you can't possibly do all that stuff. So some of that we tend to do, you know, some time in classes with everybody and other time online so that it just eases the pressure a little bit for people. So the learning for work and life section, we've got different coloured brochures for these. So I'm on the blue brochure now. (laughs) Tell us about that one. This is more for your work or career improvement, I would guess. Yeah, that's right. So we do a lot of vocational courses. So I've mentioned some of them already. We know that there's a great need for the care sector workers and indeed the NHS to recruit staff. So We work towards getting people those initial qualifications so that they can go on a study and work in those areas. We also do a lot of childcare work and early years, which again I've mentioned. But we also do creative qualifications as well. So we do floristry qualifications. We've worked with an awful lot of florists in the borough who've then gone on to set up their own businesses and very often send their newly recruited staff to us for training again, which is lovely. We also do horticulture, so if you want to be a garden designer or planner, we've got courses for that. We do some of the more academic subjects and more practical ones, I mean, so things like accountancy, for instance, bookkeeping. We're looking also at growing areas so that if it's interesting to you to do this work and this is the career you want, it's somewhere you're going to get a job with a thriving industry. So we're currently offering cyber security, for instance, a beginner's course into that, which, I mean, we know that there's huge demand for work in that area. And then learning for yourself. So this might be something that you want to take up as a hobby. I mean, I'm thinking things like um, calligraphy or art or maybe some 
pottery. Absolutely. Quite fancy doing that. <laughs> What's some examples of things you can learn on, on that section? Well, you've given some good ones there. I mean, we do a lot of languages. We do an awful lot of personal development courses. We're always looking to try new things. So we're currently launching a range of courses around makeup, for instance. At this level would be just to kind of de-stress after work or after a very busy day, you know, whatever it is you've been doing. All adults are really busy. It's also the idea is that you might really enjoy that and then we'll start to develop qualifications that you could then progress into because, again, in this part of London, there's a huge, huge area of media that are trying to recruit. So you could end up working as a makeup artist in one of the film studios. Who knows where you could go? What we try to do is put all those foundations in place and get you through those first qualifications where... You might be a bit rusty about your assignment writing or whatever, and we can help you build that up. We also do a lot of cookery classes. Now that we're in the new provision that the council provided for us, we've got the most beautiful cookery room. We want to tap into the issues that people might be facing around the cost of living crisis that we're currently going through. So we want to look at how to make the best use of the shopping that you buy, you know, not having your vegetables go off. What can you cook with them? How can you store them? What are the tips that we can give you to help you make the most of the money that you've got and the food that you buy. All those things that we're trying to tap into to help people with. The other sort of personal development things that we do are we focus on going out into the community to do some outreach work. So we work particularly with groups that couldn't easily come in to classes. So for instance, we work with carers in Hillingdon. They might be desperate to come out with all due respect to come out of the house and have a break and have somebody come in to give them respite and they'll come and they'll do something completely different but they'll be there in the room with different carers I mean it could be any of those arts any of the cookery courses anything I've just described some others actually prefer to stay indoors but to have an online course so that they're still feeling you know they're still thinking about something other than their caring duties and what they've got to do next but they don't have to worry about getting somebody in to to give them some time out of the house. So there are all kinds of things. You know, we go out, we work with a lot of community groups and we work with a lot of employers. So if you're in any of those brackets, please come and talk to us. And finally, the other thing we do in that area is work with people that have got mild to moderate mental health issues. We're finding that stress is an increasing problem across the country and certainly in London. You know, people might have a gap from work or whether they're they're off sick or whether they are, in a, it's a longer term thing. So we work with the social prescribing team and, and you're, we are very happy to take anybody who thinks that they'd quite like to come and do something to get them back into a normal life, back into a routine. We do short courses for those, again, without qualifications attached, which is the case for all of the learning for yourself provision that then can help you take those steps back into the wider part of your life. And we've got really experienced practitioners who can support you while you do that. So the main sites, uh, obviously the Civic Centre we've mentioned, we've got Harlington uh, Adult Education Centre, South Ryslip yes. Adult Education Centre above the library, opposite Sainsbury's there. Yep. The Rural Activities Centre as well. Yes. Oh, great cake there, by the way. If you go there, have a cup of tea and a piece of cake. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's actually one of the courses that we do there, other than obviously horticulture and 
those sorts of qualifications, those vocational ones. We do a lot of our work with with the emotional health and well-being that I just mentioned there. We have just kind of gardening for pleasure type courses to just help you get a bit of fresh air, a bit of exercise. But we also do a lot of work with adults with learning difficulties and disabilities. And so a lot of that is focused around living independently, as independently as you possibly can. So that cookery room we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of courses around that 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 target group work with. But also in the RAGC, we find that there's a lot of demand for that same group to get out, get some air, learn about how plants grow, you know, decide what they're going to grow, watch it go through the year. And also vegetables, it's not just plants that we grow there. Mm. So we do quite a lot there and, and the RAGC is a fantastic resource of the councils. I would absolutely agree. Go and go and have a look. Do you find sometimes that people need a bit of a push to enrol themselves? Is it a family member that needs to say, right, go on, you, you can do it? Um, maybe it could even be a Christmas present to buy somebody a little gift, you know, for um, going to do an art class or a pottery class or something uh, for the learning for yourself section. Of course, it's also a very sociable thing, isn't it? Going to um, an evening class or an adult education class. You meet different people and probably end up being friends afterwards for a while as well. Absolutely. I, I think that you've raised really good points there. I think people can be people can be quite frightened of going back to education and think, oh God, I'm going to be sitting in a classroom with 12-year-olds. And Actually, any group that you're in, if you're in the middle of Sainsbury's, that's an adult education class. If you're in the library, that's an adult. You know, anywhere you go, that's a group of adults that, that they could be your friends. And actually it does. People tell us all the time it increases their confidence. It increases their their social group and their, their well-being. It just makes them feel better getting out. Because for some people, you know, life can be quite isolating, actually. For mm. some people, it can be quite difficult to get out and make friends. Well, actually, you're all there learning whatever the subject is, whether it's calligraphy or art or makeup, or whether it's a qualification you're going to study for. Perhaps you've decided, actually, you're sick to death of not being comfortable with your maths or, you know, when faced with spelling in something or filling in a form in front of somebody. That's really common. You'd be amazed how many adults feel that way. You come in, we meet you, we've got a great team, chat to you, find out what it is that you're interested in doing, why you've come, and then we'll quite often figure out where your skills levels are with just a small sort of test. It's nothing horrendous, I promise. And then we'll help you go into a group that suits you and you're there with everybody else. It feels exactly the same. And you're thinking, actually, it's not just me. So it really does increase your confidence. And people make friends for life. It's a great atmosphere in there. <laughs> Give us an example of some of the crazy activities that you get involved in. You mentioned uh, pumpkin carving to me recently. Yeah, this is part of our, our wider family learning provision. Again, this is free for residents. We try to make learning fun. We all believe that actually learning shouldn't be a drudge it should be the more you laugh the more you're going to learn I think so we came up with an idea of carving pumpkins this was a colleague of mine from years ago so we've done it every year and each year we put another theme underneath so this year we had a group of people come in to carve their pumpkins which thank you Sainsbury's were donated by Sainsbury's and they were working with their children it was parents or carers or grandparents with children in their family the idea being that you get a chance to just reconnect and have some fun with your children in a way that you wouldn't usually do. 
So these guys were carving their pumpkins together. They were working in one of the rooms and then they took all the insides out of the pumpkin and they were going to make soup with it afterwards. So that in itself was good fun. Parents and children loved it. But what we were trying to do as well, and we were very clear about this with the parents before we began, was we brought lots of maths in underneath this. All those invisible maths you don't think about. So the children were explaining to the parents about you know, this is a third of this. They were talking about fractions. They were talking about ratios. They were weighing ingredients. They were doing all kinds of things around maths, working together, laughing and joking. Sometimes the parents were answering, but oftentimes the children were answering saying, I know, I know, I can tell you the answer to this and explaining things to their parents, which was fantastic. You know, we were talking about metric versus imperial, all sorts of things went on. And then on top of that, they ended up with a healthy meal, you know, it's really, really healthy for you to eat pumpkin soup that you've made yourself. And the children were trying tastes and food that they perhaps wouldn't have done otherwise. So sometimes the wacky things that we put online, which is where you'll find all the information about our courses on the council website, look underneath. Sometimes in the course information sheet, there's a lot more going on and it's a great way to learn with your children. And at the end, you have uh, presentations of certificates as well. We do, yeah. We had one last week, actually. We had about 200 people come in. They'd all studied with us last year for qualifications, worked really hard because it takes a lot of commitment and hard work when you've got that homework to do and you don't want to. But they did and they got through and they passed and we had the deputy mayor there to give out certificates to everybody. It was fantastic. People were cheering. We had somebody coming up to collect a, a, an ESOL certificate, somebody coming up to collect an employability certificate, somebody coming up to get it, you know, uh, level three counselling or all sorts of qualifications, all the vocationals, all the childcare that we do the early years. And they were all cheering for each other. And But it was good fun and a great sense of achievement. One of the nicest things in the calendar. So more details online, the website hillingdon.gov.uk slash adult learning. But you can also ring up, can't you, as well, and chat Absolutely, to you live. Yeah. Yes. What's the number for that? Well, it depends where you want to go. I mean, obviously, we'll start with the Civic Centre because that's sort of the main one. And the number for that is 01895 556 455. We've got a great team there that can help you. The main centre in the south... So if you're in the south of the borough, and particularly if you're interested in something like English or maths or ESOL, which is English for speakers of other languages, would be 01895 556 252. But really, I mean, I won't list them all out. Any centre that you ring will be able to help you. And as I say, we've got really experienced staff. All of us have been trained to give information, advice and guidance that can help you find the right path for you. Sometimes we don't provide the course and we'll help you find one locally, somebody locally that does. But that careers and education service that we offer, which is again free, if you need to come, you want to go for a job, you know the job you want, but you want to have some interview skills, some practice, come and talk to us. We'll try and sort something out. We work with the National Career Service. They come in, we can provide one-to-one appointments for you if you want to have your CV updated or you want some I don't know, if you want to go and join the police force or something, you don't quite know where to start, we'll set you up with an interview with with one of our staff or one of their staff and it will help you find your way forward. Lovely stuff. Well, if you're listening to this, go on, go and realise your potential, go and sign up for a course. Thank you very much, Debbie, for coming in and telling us all about this adult education in the borough and 
some of the stuff, as we mentioned, is free and funded. So go for it. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Now, it's not every day you get to chat to a British champion sportsman. And I bet you didn't know there's a small but growing community of sumo wrestlers in the UK. Now, no sooner had I learnt this than I got an invite to sit down with the current UK sumo champion at his kitchen table. So I am with Mandeep Singh Kundi and I've come out to Ivor to meet him because you're one of a, a rare contingent in the UK, a sumo wrestler. <laughs> now, in your day job, I gather you help people find um, work, you get them back into work. So give us a bit of a, like 10 seconds on your day job and then we'll go into some serious details on sumo perhaps. Sure. Thanks, Stephen. Welcome to um, Ivor Heath. I'd like to say sunny Ivor Heath, but it's, it's raining in true British fashion. <laughs> so by day, as you, you pointed out, you know I, I work with a private limited company that serves to work with our local job centres on a back-to-work scheme initiated by the Department of Work and Pensions called the Restart Scheme. Very exciting because you meet people from all walks of life and you're trying to help them find suitable and sustainable work. Again, get them off the benefit system and into the kind of work that would be best for them and their families. And by night, if you like, I began something about six years ago, which was sumo wrestling. So I've, I've started that and uh, made some advancements in it really really am enjoying it and it's something that I not only do myself but also have my son and other locals who want to get involved learn about and take part in as well so why sumo how did you get into it and why I could say why not <laughs> basically uh, you know born in this country exposed to various media uh, and sports I came across it as a child mm. and it fascinated me or what I understood about it as a child back then this was sort of the the late 80s early 90s and then I found that it was phased out and I also moved on whilst I knew it was still a sport in Japan the national sport of Japan I came across it again in 2016 and it was at that point that I realized some of the nuances that I hadn't done whilst growing up just wondered if there's a following of it in the UK or not. So I did a search online. I found the British Sumo Federation in Derby, of all places. Got in touch with the chap who, who runs it and uh, was invited to have a go. And that's pretty much how the journey began. So in Derby, they have a, it's called a dojo, isn't it? You can call it a dojo, yes. A centre there where they have um, a ring that they would practice on or in. Steve Pittman, or Sumo Steve, uh, as he's also uh, referred to, is the president of the British Sumo Federation. He's been running sumo, if you like, in the UK for many years now. So he's who I went to see. That would encourage others to go and see. And uh, got me started. We've had many tournaments in the UK since and some abroad also and uh, yeah I just think it's a wonderful sport because at an amateur level which is what this is it actually lends itself to people of all genders of all sizes and of all ages too. 
So you aren't typically enormous, like a sumo wrestler you might see from Japan. I'd say your average build. I mean, what weight category would you compete in? So looks can be quite deceiving. Okay. So I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. But um, actually what I would say is about your body composition. Yeah. More than the, the gross weight. To give you a straight answer, I actually fall in the heavyweight category because mm. I weigh just shy of 130 kilos. Those in Japan can seem like they have more fat than they have muscle mm. but there's two types of fat one is called visceral fat which is the dangerous kind and the other is called subcutaneous fat and yeah. that's actually healthy that's got a lot of muscle underneath the layers that seem like they are visceral mm. and that's basically what sumo wrestlers develop with a, a very intense schedule of training that they have day in day out Tell us a bit about the clothing that you would wear when you go and fight sumo. Everybody thinks it's like a sort of, not a nappy, but a <laughs> kind of like a sort of, I don't know, what do you, what's a it called? cloth, if you like. Uh, yeah. the, the actual name of this belt that is worn is, is a mawashi. Hmm. And, you know, it's basically a very thick canvas that one is required to wear in a certain way that has a knot at the back. Hmm. Um, and once that's knotted, it's not coming undone. So what happens is that the authentic way to wear that is straight on skin mm. and nothing else. But in amateur sumo, you are actually permitted to wear the mawashi on top of compression shorts, if you so choose. Yeah. And that's for men where, um, as, I, as I alluded to before, women also... Uh, wrestle. So what they would do is wear the mawashi on top of a one-piece leotard, like a swimsuit. And the weight of this belt, uh, if I can also add, is usually about three to five kilos. So it's it's quite a, a heavy piece of kit. And then the ring is called a a doyo. Doyo. Yeah, that's right. So the that's whole right. the whole concept of of sumo is to wrestle and push the other person outside of the. Yes, yes. Uh, essentially, you have a circle which is about 15 feet in diameter, 4.55 meters to be exact in that other metric. Two ways in which you uh, must win, either to oust your opponent to push them, let's say, out of the circle first, or to take them down mm. within it. So if any other part of their body touches the ground, other than the soles of their feet, they have lost, you have won. Yeah. So whoever goes out or down first wins. It doesn't matter if you follow on out or down after them. As long as you weren't first, you've come out on top. It's the best of one. And the average duration of a match usually lasts about five to ten seconds. About the same <laughs> duration as, let's say, a 100-meter sprint. So it's all about intense power getting that on straight away rather than a long boxing match might go on for a number of rounds this is yes tense that's right power for a short short time that's right however interestingly what what you'll find with amateur sumo is that if you were competing in let's say a tournament here or abroad then whilst you'll have a gap in between you may require several of those matches with different individuals in order to medal and you've recently competed in switzerland i have yes and you've won gold I did yes. in your category that's right yeah 
And your son won as well. He won gold as well. That's right. That was uh, very special. Yeah. I mean, how is sumo in the rest of Europe? Is it big or... Very big. The pockets of it? Very, very big. Mm. It's in over 80 countries across the world. Amateur clubs in uh, Switzerland, Poland, Bulgaria, France, Germany, Norway. There's a number of countries and they're all very, very prolific fighters. The kids, the women and the men. Tell us how sumo helps with your work life. So sumo um, helps with my, my... work life because it reminds me of the selflessness with which I must act in my capacity within employer engagement. It reminds me of the calm that I must incorporate when dealing with people, the contentment of knowing that I've done my best. It it reminds me of how I need to be in a state of detached attachment with my work, with my stakeholders, my customers, for example, and how I need to be humble. Mm. So really those values that I develop through Sumo that I have been developing from long before, courtesy of my my parents and my, my upbringing. You've got a very sort of peaceful outlook or a personality, but perhaps behind that, I've not seen you in the ring. Maybe there's maybe that comes out in the ring in those ten seconds. Yeah, <laughs> the, the power and the the strength. But uh, yeah, normally you have this kind of peaceful aura about you. This I think probably would work well in a work situation, perhaps. That's very kind, and uh, yeah, I think you you need to know when to turn it on and when to turn it off. Mm. Absolutely, but uh, I, I think there's definitely a place for both in the ring and outside. Let me show you the gym. Let me yeah. show you the gym. These are some very unique sumo statues that I, I picked up, yeah. like garden gnomes, <laughs> that are the beginning to what you're going to see in here, which is what I call the Dojo of Oneness. Right. That would be the name of the actual club. I normally get rubber carpet especially out on the grass when it's dry and then put these battle ropes on top of it and that's where I do my sumo. Okay. Right, but then yeah. it's subject to the elements. If it's raining, Sumo cancel. Yeah. Right, if someone's coming to see me. A spin bike, and then this, which is upside down or on its side, this is not a drag sled, it's called a prowler sled. So instead of pulling it, you'd push it. Okay. You'd load it up, and then you'd push it. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen a BOSU ball before. No. These are fun, because you've got to try and stand on them, maintain your balance, and then do all sorts. Whether you're compounding it with a weight or just your body weight, and you're doing a squat. This is a treadmill. This is one of two over there which are called drop pads. Yeah. So if you're doing lifting out in the open, you can afford to drop the weight on this and it's high density foam, it'll take it. A rower, um, yeah. a, a um, vibration plate, a, a cross trainer. Here's those battle ropes over there. And then basically, sir, there are three big muscle groups in our body. So the one is your chest, bench press station. Then you have your back. The, the king of exercises, as they say, for your back is your deadlift. And how so, many are you lifting there? How many kilos? Oh, that's just um, the bar, which is 36 plus 25 a piece. So call it 86. Yeah. But you can put more on. And it's a hex bar as opposed to doing a deadlift like that with a straight bar. So it, you've got a more neutral grip. You're focusing on the muscle group you're meant to be training mm. as opposed to engaging your shoulders, which limits how much you can lift. A third big muscle group in your body is your legs. And the king of exercises for that is a squat rack. So um, you can do fixed weights, but then it doesn't really 
have you engage your stabilizer muscles. You're not really balancing so much. You know, it's called a Smith machine mm. on which you can do deadlifts, bench press and um, squats. You're not balancing. Here, when you are balancing with these free weights, you're engaging those stabilizer muscles, which means you're really working those muscles more. This is a um, machine I picked up from a, a gym that was upgrading its equipment. It's a David Lloyd's machine. It allows you to do tricep dips and pull-ups. Yes. But it's very unique because if you've not seen these before, you can rest your knees on this plate. And if each of those numbers represents five kilos, you're actually offsetting your body weight by the multiple of five. If we just briefly cast an eye towards the gallery, right? What I found in my research and my fondness for philosophy as well as sport is that every major world religion has a wrestling story. Ah. That, to me, was just fascinating, <laughs> right? Because this is a form of wrestling, right, among so many. But it's interesting, you know, they, they did various other games and exercises, but the one common theme was wrestling in some form or the other. So every religion at its core teaches you the same. There are some contradictions, but we're not here to create confrontation. We're here to focus on the similarity. There's a balance to be struck there. And that first of all, if you are a God-believing person, if I've not mentioned this before, we say that if you can't see God in all, you can't see God at all. Further, that it's about unity and diversity, not uniformity. You don't have to look like me, eat like me, dress like me, etc., for us to get along. So focusing on the wrestling piece, I won't go through all of it, but actually there is wrestling stories in linked to three deities of Hinduism, Buddha, Lord Christ. There was a tale of how a chap called Jacob wrestled. Some would say God, some would say an angel, but the interpretation from it of the many that I sort of uh, aligned with most was that you cannot wrestle God but we often wrestle with the will of God. And when we submit to the will of God, then we find peace. And when Jacob realized that he cannot defeat God, then in submitting to God, God actually renamed him Israel. And this is part of the Bible. So when you have someone come here who I'm coaching, and being told about something from their own faith. They're like, wow. And it puts a different spin on this that, mm. we, that we do here, that I, I do here. So Prophet Muhammad also, there was a story of him facing a wrestler, a Rakana. Belvan just means wrestler. And then one of the ten Sikh gurus, they also set up these centers everywhere because they said, in philosophy we say that you are not your win and loss record. You are not your status you are not that is part of who you are but at its core you are spirit but you like to dress up with all these labels and it's only in the wrestling ring that you remove these labels so he said that basically what you need to do is consider the world your life as a wrestling ring you've got the logos of the different federations around sumo so in japan internationally in europe and in the uk when you see professional sumo that's their memorabilia, a handprint called a Tagata on rice paper. But you might wonder why they have these set colours. They represent certain deities, certain elements, certain directions. But at the heart of all of this, for me, it's about values. My message to my kid is be a champion of values. 
in South Asian culture and Indian culture, we talk more about the vices than the values. Mm. The values are implied, the read between the lines bit. We talk about the tendency of people to be selfish, angry, greedy, attached to materialism and egotistical. So we're not saying we can remove or replace these, but we can counterbalance them with being more selfless, calm, content, detached and humble. Yeah. But when I say detached, what I mean there is to say that we were meant to love people and use things. Instead, we love things and use people. Yeah. And so detached means more a state of detached attachment where we, we love people and things, but we don't rely on them so much that if they're not there tomorrow, we feel like we've lost our bearings. Mm. So in Hillingdon, I gather you put some feelers out around the local martial arts clubs about perhaps getting more people into sumo locally. That's right. Yeah. How's that going? It's going very well. You know, every expert was once a beginner, as they say, because sumo is very akin to judo, among other sports, where I did a taster session with kids and adults. This was with the local judo club that is run in Hillingdon. I've now become a member of their club to learn how to set up my own, perhaps, rather than just the one-to-one coaching that I do. Mm. I'm hoping to have that serve me well for developing my sumo further, as well as to see how I do in judo as well. Yeah. So if someone's interested in perhaps getting involved in the Hillingdon area, can they get into contact with you? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube under the name Deep Sumo. So um, I've got my contact details there. They'd be most welcome to reach out and uh, have a go. It may well be that they could be a future British and international sumo champion themselves. Yeah. So going back through your like trophy cabinet, as well as your Switzerland win recently, yeah. how have you done in the past sort of few years, been winning trophies? So I, I'm very blessed and very grateful to a number of people and factors. There have been eight tournaments in the UK that I have taken part in. One was a, a novice championship, one was a master's, and then there were six British championships as well. Mm. And my record stands at one silver and seven gold. So I, I'm the current British champion uh, in that respect, and where I've had some international experience as well, including in the home of sumo in Japan, I've actually medaled abroad for the country with a gold medal in Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, in the US uh, in 2019. And then most recently in Lausanne in uh, Switzerland, where I was accompanied with my son, my seven-year-old son, Ash, who also wrestled and who I'm thrilled to say also, (laughs) and uniquely, historically, got a gold medal in his category as well. It must have been ace when you got there and got both got gold. Yeah. It was for the family album. Very special. Very <laughs> special indeed. It doesn't matter whether someone does sumo or some other martial art or simply does exercise, but it's really, really important that we push ourselves and keep fit. I, I've shared this message on a few platforms before, but it won't get old. And, um, you know, ultimately... It's like a seesaw is life, you know, sometimes we're mentally down, sometimes we're physically down, but we need to work on both on our mental health and our physical health. Also, you know, we live in a digital age Mm. 
uh, but we have to remember that our digital identity is not our sole identity. So I, I really hope that the listeners from this uh, recording are able to take from the journey that I've been enjoying for the last six years and hope to enjoy for many more years to come and are doing something or will do something with themselves to keep fit and to have fun. Mm. Well, thanks very much. Cheers, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> take care. And just search Deep.Sumo on Facebook if you'd like to link up with Deep and chat Sumo. Next, Ryslip Lions Club are on the lookout for new volunteers. Welcome along to the studio, Lynn Kaufman, and we are chatting today about Lions, Lions Club. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Steve. Nice to be here. Now, you're from Ryslip Lions. Yes. But first of all, maybe give us a history of Lions Club. Roughly, when, when did it start and who, who kind of founded it? Well, it was a pre-war activity and it started in America. And there is one guy called Melvin Jones who apparently was the most amazing lion that you could ever meet. And he sort of set the bar high. So anybody that joins Lions now aspires to reaching the Melvin Jones heights and getting one of his certificates to proudly put on their wall. It's very embedded in America and it's very embedded in India. But it's come more recently to England and we have across the country zones of Lions where you get probably about six Lions clubs who are in a zone and they occasionally get together to try to do what lions are supposed to do, and that's be ordinary people doing amazing things. So perhaps we can explore some of that later on. Is there an age group or age range you have to be to join? I suppose, as with most voluntary activities, it tends to be attracting the more mature members of the community. But there is also an opportunity for youngsters to become involved in Lions by starting a Leo club, which can be started in their school or started in their youth club. And in a way, those early stages of of being a Leo will hopefully step you towards being a fully-fledged Lion eventually. So we keep our fingers crossed that our children and adults in Lions will come closer together and that we'll become stronger. Actually, we've got 1.4 million members of Lions across the world. And what's the sort of general philosophy? Is it raising money for local charities while enjoying a social laugh with your fellow club members? Oh, I like that the idea, Steve, of a social laugh. I think that's really very impressive. And I think that's what we do try to do. Sometimes it gets a bit intense, especially at this moment in time after lockdown, when I think most charities are struggling to raise money. We are searching for things that we can do to help us raise money for the, the five pillars of, of lions that are promoted across the world. And I'm going to try and see if I can remember them now. They're cancer, vision, environment, diabetes and hunger hunger oh very important yes so those five pillars are the root of what we raise money for and we try to whenever we do something like a tin shake we try to say to people although you're giving money towards lions this will actually go to one of the pillars you know for example we have just recently collected for childhood cancer which is something which has been promoted by lions in this country in a very positive way so let's just go through those five pillars. So those those are something that's been chosen from America, I, I guess. Yeah, I think the, the root comes from America. Um, and, um, 
and it gives a guide, I suppose, really. It's, it's saying to people that these are world issues. These are not things that are just in one country or another. And I think when we all look at the news these days, we realise that we're not individual countries anymore. We are a global entity. And I think that's what Lions has taken on. It's decided that there are things that not just affecting us, but affecting the whole of the world. And so very often, some of the, the um, charity work, when we're looking at, for example, we did something on water aid, and that actually obviously focused in on Africa, where if anybody watches the television and sees the heartrending stories about the fact that children can't even drink clean water, then, you know, it's lions are very aware of these things. This is why they picked the five pillars. And, and I think in Ricelip Lions, we are very happy to support those five pillars and, and give us some opportunities to do some quite exciting things. And what's some examples locally where you've done stuff reflecting those five pillars? For example, for the cancer one, you were saying you've raised money locally for... Yes, for, for childhood cancer has been the particular focus there. Yeah. And that's from tin shakes and things of that sort, where you, you know, you're relying on the kindness and generosity of those people that come out of the supermarket and might have a few pennies left. And we've actually been very clever because we've got hold of um, a card reader now. So when somebody walks past and said, oh, I'm sorry, I have no change, which I know I've done on many occasions... Then we've got our card reader, which can zip into action. There are a few stories about the card reader, which I won't tell you right now because they might frighten some people off. <laughs> and vision, under that pillar, you've, you've got sight tests, haven't you? Yes, and, and uh, there has been quite a lot of work training lions up to go in pairs, I think it's, into schools and do some sight tests. But they've been trained up and they do work in collaboration with the NHS and the schools. And the hunger one, you've got a food bank where you collect food. Yeah, well, Hillingdon Food Bank, which you probably know about, it's just up the road here, just on the border between Hillingdon and Denham. A couple of us have been now collecting food for five years from three main supermarkets and three churches. So we do actually collect some massive amounts and we can never, ever be more thankful to those kind customers who despite the fact that we're all having to watch our pennies these days, they still contribute. And then under the environment, trees have been planted? Yes, we, we did a, a session with trees in cities. What happened was a person lost a, a loved one and made a donation of, of 5,000 trees. And we went along, a small group of us, to help plant. Not all 5,000 trees, I might say quickly. Um, we went along to help on a terrible day to plant as many trees as we could. And we go back regularly to have a look and see how they're doing. Some have suffered during that really hot summer that we had and, and there wasn't enough, obviously not enough water for them. But some have managed to hang on in there and... Uh, and looking pretty good. Also, for the environment, we invested in buying some environmental books for primary schools, and some of the Lions took the books into schools, into year one and two. And then you've got the final one, diabetes. Yeah, diabetes is something which I'm sure that anybody will probably have someone in their family that has diabetes. I do in my family. And I know what a, a trauma it is when it's first diagnosed. And we have from Lyons a, a guy who is a diabetes specialist, Rohan, and he comes along and talks to a Lyons group and tries to raise awareness there so that we then know a little bit more about diabetes. And that can be then one of the things that we raise money for in the future. So what's coming up in the social calendar? I guess you've got a Christmas party, surely. 
Yes, there is. Um, one of our lions, Lion Julie and Lion Jackie, have organised a Christmas evening meal at the gate in Northwood. The gate's manager has very kindly said that we can collect during the time we're there having our Christmas meal, but we've got to dress up as elves and a Father Christmas. So I can see a few people that volunteered to start with that might be taking a step backwards now. <laughs> OK, hopefully it's not during one of the World Cup matches. Um, well, <laughs> I, I actually, I had a, ch- a church meeting last night during the, one of the World Cup matches. And would you believe it? People sitting around the table had their phones in front of them following what was happening. I was really furious. Outrageous. <laughs> Absolutely. So you get a magazine yes. um, come to you if you're a Lions member. Yes. And that tells you about stuff that's going on around the world. Yes, it's called The Lion. And anybody can contribute to that. If someone's listening to this and wants to get more information on Rice Slip Lions, is there a phone number or an email or a, a website they can go to? Yes, there's a um, Rice Slip Lions website. And there's a Rice Lip Lions Twitter feed. And if you just put in Rice Lip Lions, it will pop up. Yeah. We meet at Water's Edge by the Lido. And we meet on a Tuesday, once a month, the second Tuesday in the month. And we have a meeting probably of about an hour and a half to two hours. And it's just to discuss what's going on. And sometimes we will have a speaker. Well, thanks for coming in, Lynn, and you're always open to new volunteers, I'm sure. We did have, until lockdown, we had 42 members. After lockdown, we've gone down to about 18. I think it is because some people got out of the habit of coming out to meetings. So we're, we're sort of static at the moment, just below 20. And if anybody would love to volunteer, you would be welcomed with open arms to Rice Lip Lions and we do, as Steve said earlier on, although we take some things very seriously, like the five pillars, we do actually also have quite a bit of fun. That's great. That's what it's all about. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Lynn. It's great. And uh, I often see you out and about on the stalls and tin shaking around the area. One of those very active people in the community, aren't you? Well, that's very nice of you to see. <laughs> many, uh, many interests, which is Could great. Could call it nosy, Steve, as well, <laughs> couldn't you? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Okay, take care. Thanks for joining us, Lynn. Thanks a lot, Steve. Thank you for the thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> Cheers. So there we go. A bit of education, a bit of fitness, and some volunteering opportunities this month. Now, news from Uxbridge. If you've not ventured into town for a while, very exciting. Wendy's is now open on the outside of the pavilions. Also, Hillingdon artists have a temporary space in what was the Debenhams store. Go and check them out. Do let us know if you've got an event planned. You can do that on Twitter, we're Uxbridge FM, or you can email what's on at uxbridgefm.co.uk. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Chris Allam for helping out and Luke and the Airy for the music. I'll catch you next month.